0: Colossians chapter 2, can I invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 2, we're we're in a series with Colossians, amazing passage, amazing text, last week one of the things that we are learning from Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 through 10 is that what, what do we need to do? We need to widen our stance, right, a lot of you, I bet you at least 15 of you have come up to me and ran into me like, you got to get lower pastor, all right? We need to widen our spiritual stance and we do that being, by being rooted and built up and strengthened in him and overflowing with thanksgiving. And this passage builds on that in a lot of ways when you get to verse 11 and all, all the way to 23 even, uh, it, it expands upon what, it, what that means to widen your stance, what that looks like. And so here's some of the words that we find here in verse 11 and following. It says, In him you are also circumcised, and the putting off of the sinful nature... Not having a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. Let me go ahead and address this really quick. And you can leave the passage of scripture up there, guys. But when it's talking about circumcision, it's, it's Paul. He uses this language over and over in so many of his writings. Saying, listen, they, they were doing something physically in order to be clean. But what he's letting them know is the only way you can have spiritual cleanliness is to have circumcision of the heart. That's, that's what that's communicating and that's what that's speaking about. It says, having been buried with him in baptism. And that's, it's the same thing in Romans chapter 6. You're going to notice so much of this language is similar to Romans chapter 6. And it speaks about baptism. It speaks about other things. It's the same word. And that's why we believe in baptism. Do it, you have to be baptized, we believe, in order to go to, to be with Jesus Christ? We don't believe that. It's symbolic. But it's also a commandment saying, hey, listen, be, to be baptized. It talks about it over and over again. And he's saying, hey, be buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God. Raised with him through faith. Through the faith. It's through nothing else. The, the, that freedom, that resurrection that it is discovered is only found in faith through Christ Jesus. We know that you can't earn it. There's nothing you can do that's good enough. And so he comes in and he tells him this. And he says in verse 13, he says, when you are dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, that means you've really not allowed Christ to come and clean your heart, to to take over your life, to give him complete authority. You've never really done that. he says, and when you are dead in your sins and and in the uncircumcision of the uh, uh, the sinful nature, God then came, though, because of the faith, God made you alive with Christ. And he forgave us all of our sins. God made us alive with Christ. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Very simply, even as you go back to verse 12 and 13, one of the things that we recognize in this passage is that God raises us from the dead. Because we were dead in our own sin. We are now made alive in Christ. Also, one of the reasons I love Romans chapter 6 so much is because verse 1 says, Should we go on sinning in order to make grace abound all the more? And what's he say? No. One of the things that lets lets you understand is that for the believer, we should be running towards sinlessness. Is it possible? No, but we run toward it because we can sin far less than we already do. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit coming and indwelling in our lives. The church has done a pitiful job in teaching on the fact that we need to be running towards sinlessness rather than living in it. And so we process this. And he tells us, he says, listen, cancel the written code, its regulations, this curse of the law and the handwriting against us, meaning it's, it's not the law that God gives us in terms of his word. It's the law that says if you don't do this, this, and this, then you have no chance. And he's saying, no, it's more than that. There's a freedom that's found in Christ. If you look at the passage as a whole, what it's really communicating is that we're a risen people. And so, you know, there's Leonard Sweet, I always go back to this quote because it's so powerful. He says, if Christ is alive, why aren't we more alive? If Christ is alive, why aren't we more alive? Well, if, if Christ has risen and we have risen, then why don't, why don't we act like it more? Knowing that the sin no longer has captivity over us, but we have freedom in Christ Jesus. It allows us to widen our stance when you recognize that you're a risen person in the name of Jesus Christ we've been lifted out of death we've been circumcised in our hearts we've been raised in faith we find authority in Christ and we are made alive in Christ and we need to stand up as someone who is alive in Christ it's something that you stand for I can't I can't emphasize that enough one of the 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 themes, I think, that run throughout this is we recognize that we're a risen people. We are a risen people, and when we recognize that, we also understand that we now stand for Christ rather than simply standing against what we don't like. Have you ever noticed that people fighting for something always stay in the fight longer than those fighting against something? And so many people today are so consumed and concerned with fighting against something and they wonder why the church today is losing a battle. The church today needs to start standing for Christ rather than against what we're not accustomed to. And when we begin standing for Christ, the love of Christ pours forth even to those that we disagree with. I remember one day, I'm talking to someone on the streets. I was on 72nd Street in Manhattan, and it's right outside of an associational building, and I'm down there, and I'm speaking with some guys, and we're speaking kind of loud because there's about 15 of them, and I said, well, let me just pray right now, and a guy walked back, and I cannot repeat all the words he said, but he said, you are a blanking idiot. And I said, I'm sorry, sir, why do you feel that way? There's no such thing as a God, and you're wasting your time. Forty-five minutes later, I'll walk away from that conversation. He still did not not believe in God, but he did walk away going, the only thing that confuses me is why you're being so nice to me. That's what the power of the love, we need to know the the power of the love of God does. We need to know what we're standing for, not just what we're standing against. And we need to recognize that we are who we are because of who Christ is. Who we are should reflect who Christ is. Who we are is because of who Christ is. When you start to absorb Colossians chapter 2 and Romans chapter 6, you begin to recognize that maybe we've been treating this whole resurrection of Jesus wrongly. Because he continues in this passage and he says this. In verse 13 and 14 he says, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. And that was a deaf person calling it out. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And what that means is this. When you come to know Jesus Christ, when you understand the purpose of church, it's not to come and to simply live in your brokenness. It's to move beyond it. It doesn't mean that that doesn't require a journey. It doesn't mean that that, that that's simple or that that's easy. But Christ nailing all of our sin, all of our pain, and all of our hurt to the cross means that we can begin that process of no longer living in it, but being set free from it. Why? Because it points to the truth that God loves us and God can restore us no matter what. Psalm 71 verse 20. That speaks of how he can revive us. And so many of us struggle with moving beyond our hurt and our pain. When this passage says God's made us alive with Christ, it doesn't mean that He doesn't understand our hurt and our pain and our struggles and our sin and our past regret and all of those different things. But He's saying you can move beyond it. You can move beyond it. Why? Because the Lord has been true to His promise to forgive. Psalm 103 says that the Lord is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. he says he'll, he'll never keep his anger forever. And so sometimes when you read to me Romans chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 2, it is an encouragement to move beyond where we are into a greater place. because we can remember that we've come to Christ and we've been made new creatures in Him. Right? Um, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. We're a new creation now in Christ. And so really the church in Christ isn't a place for us to come and to live in our brokenness. It's a place for us to come and to move beyond it. To start making that journey. And when it comes to the sin aspect, and some of us have made some pretty big mistakes in our life. I remember someone saying though one time, um, they said that if God has saved you out of a sewer, don't dive back in and swim around. And we've got regret and we've got all of this anger and we get so bothered by things that we've done previously in life. But if you recognize that God has brought you out of the sewer, the depths of despair, stop driving your car back into it and then jumping out and swimming around. And this passage of Scripture to me calls out, we've are, we're have a risen people. We've been made alive in Christ. It's one of the most encouraging passages there is because we don't have to live in the defeat of our own sin and in the defeat of the ugliness of this world anymore. Why? Because it tells us in the last verse, in verse 15, it says that he's disarmed the powers and authorities. He's made a public spectacle of them. He's triumphed over them by the cross. All of the powers of hell were conquered by the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, we're a risen people. We are a risen people. good friend of mine uh, who's sitting in this room right now always reminds me that we celebrate what we value and we value what we celebrate. Sometimes we don't find ourselves celebrating because we're valuing the wrong things. And for so many years now, we've been dealing with hard Hard situations in a, a difficult family, and maybe walking through a horrible divorce that took years and years and years just to get through. That we've learned to live in our brokenness, and we have forgotten what it is to live in the victory of the cross. But this passage of Scripture reminds me that it's possible. To still even maybe remember the hurt and the pain, but to move beyond it to the victory of the cross. Will you begin making the journey? Will you begin making the journey? We're going to have an opportunity to sing. Um, The praise team is probably out in the backyard throwing snowballs because they thought there's no way he'll be done before 1035. But the message, maybe it really doesn't take that long for us to speak it. You have brokenness, you have hurt, you have sin in your life that separates you from God. God, through his son Jesus Christ, died on the cross so that you can know what it is to experience true freedom. And some of us have learned to Voice it, but many of us have never learned to live in it. I got in trouble a lot as a kid because I would just say things so directly. And I remember an older lady being in our uh, house one day. Uh, we had people over our house three, four nights a week. We were trying to feed people and engage people and care for people. It's how I grew up, and so that's now how our family is. And it was, it's just constant. It's continual. And uh, she said, you know, back then in the 80s, it was really popular to say, God is good. And you say what? And all the time. And I looked at her after she said it. I said, then why don't you act like it? She left the church. (laughs) Do we act like it? Do we act like we've been set free from sin? Do we act as though, regardless of even the pain in our life, no matter what pain there is... God is still greater. It doesn't mean there's not hurt and there's not confusion. It doesn't mean that. But God is still greater. Do we act like that? that he's, do we act as though, you know what, he's taken all of our sin and all of our hurt and all of our despair and he took it and he put it on a cross and he nailed it over and over and over again. And he says, it is finished. It is finished. Do we act like it? Do we really have the opportunity to come and tell people, I am a child of God. It doesn't mean that the hurt isn't there and the despair isn't there. But it means that we know that there is victory there. And so we don't live in the brokenness. We begin moving beyond the brokenness. How do you do that? You remember that God loves you. You remember that God can restore and redeem you. And you tell yourself that over and over and over and over again. You just keep going, but God loves me and God can restore me. And even in this, He can be seen. He can be found. And so that's where we live today. Why? Because we're sons, we're daughters of God, and we get to declare His goodness. God can do that for you. And some of you are probably sitting right now, you're going, okay, pastor, you don't know what I've been through, but he does. If a pastor has to have walked through and experienced every hurt of every single person in the congregation, that means we would have this many pastors. That's the beauty of Jesus Christ. I may not have walked in your shoes, but Christ has taken everything for you, everything for And so we can move beyond the brokenness and not live in it. And all of a sudden, what that does, let me tell you the result of it. Your eyes begin to open bigger. And instead of going, well, I'm just trying to reach a couple people, you go, my target's 34 million in the next seven years. Right? Your eyes start opening up. And you go, well, instead of just, I, beyond just telling them I've got a second cousin, I see him every Thanksgiving and Christmas, I'm trying to reach him. Your prayer goes, you know what, I'm going to hit all my cousins. I'm going to hit all my neighbors. I'm going to hit my neighborhood. I'm going to let them all know the goodness of Jesus Christ. Let that be the God that we sing to.